0: If you guys can't hear me, there we go. So Max asked me last night as we, were, as we were wrapping up and the final details. He said, so what are you teaching on tomorrow? I said, I don't know. I've got to get home and write it. <laughs> um, but God knows. And he gives us the word. And what's really cool is he let me see that word in action through a life worth honoring, and I get to see it, I think, um, through lenses maybe that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to before, and so, if you don't mind, this will probably be the final, you know, the final um, coach honoring, and, um, but I think more than that, it's, it's honoring maybe what, where he got his life from. So today we'll be in, um, in your sermon notes you see in your bulletins, we'll be in, it actually says 2 Corinthians, we'll be in 1 Corinthians 3. I caught that this morning as I was reviewing one final time, and and I said, I'm going to double check this text. Something doesn't look right about that. So that's 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. But we're starting a new sermon series today titled Exchange. And just like the last three weeks, it was almost like God showed up each time and said, this, this is what I want you to share, and I couldn't have prepared for it. I mean, only God knew what was going to happen. We got to honor Dr. Bob through Craig's words and his song. You know, we were talking about bold intimacy. We got to hear about what happens in our relationships, and our marriage, when we forget to put God first, and and then he lets that uh, 18-wheeler just drive right through our house and says, "No, I want to be. I want to be first in your marriage and your life and your relationships with the Sharons, Steve and Britt sharing. And then this, this last week as we and as you guys well know, as we honored coach, Eva up until late yesterday evening. Exchange means to exchange what we hold valuable what we're talking about over the next four or five weeks, what we hold valuable, I think, and I, I'm going to have each of you guys think, what's the one thing that I'm holding valuable right now? For something that's far greater in value. I think it's unique for each of us. Like each of us, whether it's a relationship, whether if it's a definition of success, whether if it's trying to be like someone else that we that we hold in great esteem. And saying, "You know what, God, I'm I'm going to hold a little loose little loosely to this thing that I hold to be valuable. And I'm going to trust you to give me what you what you hold most valuable." That's what we're talking about today. Over the next 4 weeks we'll be talking about the world tells us what's valuable. Something w- what something's worth, whether it be our investments. Like while I was at Duke Energy, I almost, I almost traded to be a designer to go work on the seventh floor because what was on the seventh floor was exciting. They were trading and marketing. It was a stock market happening, and this was specific to energy trading. And I told Myra, I said, hey, what would you think if, if I stopped doing design and marketing and, and creation? And what if I, I learned how to do this stock market thing? And she said, I don't know, how much does it make? <laughs> and I said, well, in the beginning, maybe like $20,000 a year, right? Because you're training. And in the end, these guys are all making like 300 dollars $400,000 a year plus Christmas bonuses. And I'm telling you what, I was 28 years old, like ready to dive in and go, God, this looks amazing. Some of us, and I'll say ladies in the room, we we often um, wonder, who gets to define beauty? You know, who gets to tell us what beauty is? And we all know that our marketing and our advertising world preys on what? On our insecurities. Unfortunately, on us men, the way we were designed to get married and be fruitful and multiply. And I won't go any further. We'll keep it PG-13. But beauty we'll talk about in the next few weeks, what will we, what will we exchange to understand God's beauty? Success, beauty, worth, value. I want, I want you to hold loosely onto your definition of that and look at maybe what, what God says is beautiful, what is valuable, what is worth our life. First Corinthians 3:10 through 15. Let me start there, and you can follow in your sermon notes. It says, By the grace of God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and then something else is building on it, and someone else is building on it, but each one must be careful how he builds. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, precious stone... Wood, hay, or straw, his workmanship will be evident because the day will bring it to light. Each will be revealed with fire, and the fire will prove that the the quality of each man's work and what he has built survives. He will receive a reward, and if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved but only as through the flames. So I'd see the last, as you can imagine, the last 72 hours, the last week I get to see, it's kind of amazing, incredible that we get to stop and honor someone and remember, and I'm talking about Coach Joe Floyd. And, and think about it, I'm, I'm, I'm the new guy here on the island, right? Like I know Joy, Joe as I, I see the football field, I see the baseball fields, I see the track I've had communion with Joe and Carolyn in their home. And, and I forgot to mention it yesterday, but their walls are covered with photos of their family, of sports teams. It was, it's incredible. But what's m- amazing about this window of time is I get to see, and especially in the, in the media yesterday, what it looked like before Joe and Carolyn even met. What it looked like when he made the decision that she would be the one all the way up until today i get to hear it and soak it in from you from duncan from max from many friends and family we get to see a glimpse of a man and what he invested his life in coach found god's economy i'm convinced like he found god's economy And I don't know at what year, I mean, I would love, I think these are the moments that we'll get when we get to heaven, we'll get to say, like, Lord, when did you get a hold of coach? Like, what day, what year did it become obvious that it wasn't about winning championships, it wasn't about how many sports teams I could start, that it wasn't, I mean, that's fun, and that's amazing, and that's what his gift was. But I think there was one evening, or one day, or one moment that God says, coach, like, this is amazing, but I want you to give it to me. I want you to trust me with what this all could be for in my economy. And yes, you're going you're gonna to have success on this earth, and yes, you're going to bust through many barriers that, m- that many of us can't seem to. But, Coach, I want to use this for my glory and my kingdom. I think, Coach, found God's economy And I'm curious, I'm just curious to know what day, what moment was was that, that God got his attention? So questions is, what's going through my mind yesterday, and maybe it does you, where did coach get that drive and that vision? Like, what makes men and women like coach, right, to say, I want you to do the impossible? Like, I want you to do what's never been done before. I want you to to leave everything that you know and be obedient to this next step in your life and and say, I want you. That's vision. That's drive. That's determination. And you know what? It's it's actually really simple. I think he just said, all right, I'll do it. Like, I'll do it. I think God gives each of us these clear next steps. And they're so unique to us, right? I was thinking about Duncan, how he's built a life on fishing. And it's more complex than that, but forgive me for boiling it down to one simple thing. Many of us on this island, we wouldn't be here, right? For what? But for what? Fishing but Duncan and men like him in our community have turned it into more than just that. Like Coach, they've decided, you know what? I'm going to invest in other men and women that are coming behind me. I'm going to invest in this next generation. So my question is this, and my my kids love it when I ask them, because I'm asking them this all the time. Do you have a God-sized vision? Today's message is about exchanging blindness for sight and i'm gonna dig into a little bit today do you have a god sized vision for your life for your family for your purpose your passion for what he's called you for here? when you look ahead what do you see i always ask where do you want to be in five years Like where where is it really that your heart is drawing you to? Where do you want to be in five years? And I always say I'd love to talk to you about it over lunch or coffee because that's when it gets real. And that's where you get to ask me the same question and say, Larry, what's in your heart? You know, just like I challenge Kim all the time, every time we meet, I say, Hey, you want to sell your company? How's that going? How do how do we get it? how do we get you there? Do you need any help? This first line in your sermon notes says how good is your sight? And the question you should ask yourself is how do I know if I'm blinded by what's temporary? So I think God, he's so full of grace that he allows us I believe certain seasons of our life, he he said, "Okay, go go ahead and go run." Because I've given you something. I, I want you to run at that with all you are. And some of us run 200 miles per hour into a brick wall, and some of us make it through the narrow gate, and we continue to run, and that's okay. It's not a comparison game. Remember, we're not talking about earthly success. But God gifted each of us with something unique. I heard something about Johnny that I hadn't heard, Mr. State Champion back there through coaches' leadership. God gave you something, Johnny, to use. I thought of Steve Paulson this morning. I call him genius Iron Man mechanic, right? Nuclear engineer. I, I may be making some of this up. But I believe God gave him a passion for engineering and mechanics and auto. For what? I think it's no coincidence that we're sitting on an island of probably hundreds of young men who don't have a Father? who don't even know how to change their own oil. Like, right? We could look at Steve and say, hey, in our economy, this is your value. But when you multiply that in God's economy, imagine what could happen. How good is our sight? How do I know if I'm blinded what's temporary? And then do I have a vision for eternity? Like you guys know, it's, it happened for me early on in my 30s. You know, it happened for the Floyds this week again. For Holly, just recently losing her sister. For Dr. Bob. It's very real for Craig right now. When, when we leave this earth, and we leave family members on this earth, and we go to heaven, eternity starts to become a little more real, doesn't it? It's almost like you could touch it. Or at least you start to ask. I wonder if the streets are really made of gold. Like, I wonder if we're really going to be singing God's praises with every particle of our being. I wonder if I really get to ask God in person all those questions that I have, right? Or if I'll know just because He's there, the all knowing one. Do I have a vision for eternity? Psalm 146.8 says, The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. And the Lord loves righteousness. Guys, I think only our Father knows which ones of us are walking around with blinders on. Like how many people in our community have not yet experienced a real life, the life that they were created for and say, you know what? I've got something greater for you. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down, who are humble, who said, you know what? You're it. It's your way. The Lord loves the righteous. Matthew 6, 19, one says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on this earth, where moss and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. And this last part, I think, is, is, is really key. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Pay attention to the treasures that you store is the next Blank in your sermon note. Pay attention to the treasures. Like we're all storing treasures, like we are. We do, and it's not that they're bad. But pay attention. Just what treasures am I storing? I had to be real careful when when Blake graduated and went from high school to college. He was a catcher. He got to play ball in college. And I knew it was a moment for me as a dad to decide what am I going to celebrate in this young man? Am I gonna, what, what am I going to celebrate as success in my son? Am I going to celebrate the godly character in him or am I only going to celebrate home runs over the fence? He left with high school at the 600 RBI. And or number 53 in the state of Texas for RBIs, and then I forget the, the batting, 600 batting average. So I'm messing it up, because I'm a soccer guy. <laughs> and it's the same thing with Chloe. I see her talents and gifts, and I'm like, be careful, Dad. Be careful, Larry, on what you're celebrating, for they are the treasure. Their soul is the treasure. It's not the stat in the newspaper, right? But God can use that. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. And I saw that this week. Pay attention to the treasures you store, for those treasures have your heart. They have your heart. And we do have, and uh, sometimes we misunderstand the statement, we have a jealous God. <laughs> like, who wants all of us, Right? And it's sometimes it's okay to have a jealous spouse. Who in here might have a jealous spouse, right? Especially in our younger days. When we're older, it's not so much, right? They're like, ah. <laughs> but we have a jealous God who says, I want all of you. I want your heart. What I thought was cool that stood out about Coach was he treasured every student. sports non-sports, he treasured every student. And I love that he came up with a clear, like achievable goal if every student could have one success in high school. That would give them a glimpse of what they were capable of in the future. And I don't think Coach would mind if I added on to that today. I think if, if every one of those students could have one success, And every one of those students could have one person share the love of Christ with them. And I'll even up the game a little bit because I think Coach was a man of multiplication and you guys have already heard it. I think if every student could leave this island, Kodiak Island, and have prayed about, could I lead a church one day? Could I lead someone to Christ one day? Am I supposed to be a part of God's army? Can I use my gift for baseball, for coaching, for leading, for being a leader in the fishing community? Could I use, could I allow God to use that to reach one more person for Christ? Ecclesiastes 3, 10 through 11 says, I have seen the burden that God has laid on men to occupy them. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart. Already, eternity is already there. Eternity is already in our hearts. Yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. It's a mystery sometimes. What struck me about this scripture is, we got to see a short glimpse of what God had done from beginning to end in coach's life. God had put eternity into the coach's heart. And what was cool is he had already put it in all those students' hearts that coach interacts with, and they may or may not have known during his time as a coach, there's a reason why this man is leading the way he's leading. There's a reason why this man wants me to have success. I love to challenge you guys all the time and say, read through the Gospels and find a moment where you see Christ being selfish. There's not a single moment in there where he's being selfish. It's always about that other person in front of him. And at some point in our life, I think God gets a hold of us and says, okay, you've done well with what I've given you, but now I want you to give it all to me. And now I'm gonna show you what this can do for the kingdom. I saw that in Coach. Max, I saw that in your whole family. I see that in Dr. Bob's family. It's amazing for those of us who grew up in homes where we were praying for the good model. We didn't have one in front of us. My brother Scott here, that's the reason why we're brothers, we're tight, because we were looking for a good model. And I'm so thankful that there are men of God and women of God who finally say, I'm going to give you what I have. and trust you for what you have, Father God. Oh, forgive me. It's been an emotional few days, hasn't it? In God's economy, he cares about our hearts. He does. In God's economy, he's he's always trying to show us, hey, watch what's in your heart on this one. You know? Watch what's in your heart. He challenged that for me whenever I was watching Blake catch his first college game. Man, like, talk about idolatry. <laughs> I, was, I was already printing the Lundstrom jersey for the Houston Astros, right, in my mind. All, like, I almost did it because I can do stuff like that, right? And I almost ordered him one. And I, I told him one day, and I, and I hope it, I said, Blake, I, I hope to see you hit a home run out of Minute made park for the Houston Astros one day. But that's just me being a dad, right? It's the same way God looks at us. He wants to see our name on his jersey. It's his economy. All right, so I'll, I'll be more uplifting now. So let me, let me get out of that part. Before Christ, we were all blind. Like, we just were. And the sooner we <laughs> admit it, the better. <laughs> it's just like, before God, I was. But then He got a hold of me. Do you remember? The time that God got a hold of you? It's kind of the moment that I, I would love to hear from Coach, from his words, to say, Larry, it was this night. He grabbed my heart and said, we're going this way, Coach, and I'm going to use what you have. But Coach isn't unique. God's got that same thing for each of you, each of us. Where he says, all right, Johnny, look, well, you've brought it all. Are you ready? We're going this way. Mike, Mike and his kids, baptized here right behind us just a few weeks ago. He says, Mike, already, right, you've, You've already brought it all to the table. Thank you for trusting me. Are you ready? My world was so small before God got a hold of me. Right, I was dreaming of that trading and marketing job at Duke Energy or some VP position where I could impress, you know, impress my friends and there's nothing wrong with that guy. It's But it was the fact that God had a different plan. He said, I want you to give it all to me. Isaiah 42, 6 through 7 says, I, the Lord, have called you to righteousness. I will take hold of your hand and keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open the eyes of the blind. To free the captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. That's our job. And it's because Christ is within us. Like when Christ left, he said, I'm leaving this responsibility to you, to us. And he said, You will do greater things than even me, which is mind blowing for the God of the universe. To say so, <laughs> I, I always say, "Real men cry." So, thank you, honey. I don't, I don't mind wearing it a little bit. It's kind of like getting hit with a baseball when you're up to bat, right? You got to wear it. Just wear it. Isaiah 42:16 says, "I will lead the blind by ways they have not known, along unfamiliar paths. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them." and make the rough places smooth. There are, these are the things I will do and I will not forsake them. Guys, there are thousands of people right in our geography that don't know, that don't have the hope that we have. There's a reason why he's calling leaders to this place and raising up leaders in Kodiak. To use each of you as an example whether you're here for three years, 30 years, or 65 years. He said, I want you to trust me. Right? He looks at Duncan and Sam and all of our fishermen, Craig, John Reff. Forgive me for leaving any other fishermen out in the room. And he said, but I want to show you how to be fishers of men. God gave us sight is the next blank in your sermon note. He gave us a path to eternity. And I'm getting, I'm at the finish line here, so it's 11.55. Good, we're on time a little bit. (laughs) Coaches in heaven, because God gave him sight. And he gave him a path to eternity. He got a hold of him. I don't know if it was a strong nudge. I don't know if it was a, a gentle voice. I don't know if he took a baseball bat up against the head or his heart. Like, I don't know. I'd love to hear about that moment that God got a hold of Coach, but he's in heaven. And one thing that stood out to me in all the stories that I heard was Coach didn't want to take credit for all of his success. He said, he said they only give me all those awards because I have keys to the gym. <laughs> like, because I'm the guy in charge. There was one last thing I wanted to say yesterday, um, but that would have gone in another another few hours. So we we were gracious and wrapped that up. What a loving community, to share. But the last thing that hit me was, I think if Coach was here today, he'd say, "But I gave you those gym keys, also." Each person. And this community was left with keys to the gym. He did that on purpose. And I think he did it because God says, Coach, this isn't about you, this is about them. And I want them to get a glimpse of what heaven's like. I get emotional when I'm tired. <laughs> ah. That was his greatest legacy. He gave away the keys to the gym. He didn't keep them to himself. It's obvious he gave, it, gave those keys to his family. Whew. Same as Dr. Bob and Craig, their dad gave the keys over to the family. He passed it on. And I believe each of us in this room has our hands on a set of keys. And I believe the next generation, we could very well have 300 Coach Floyds, 300 Dr. Bobs on the island, 300 more because of the legacy that they gave. I mean, think about what Christ did. I am leaving now. So that you can do far more than I, ever, than I ever did. I believe if we really pay attention to the gifts that God's given us, and yes, we're supposed to lead the way with our life, but I think we're supposed to turn around and look at that next generation and say, Tag, you're it. Like, you're it. And don't be afraid to be you. Be exactly who you were created to be. So let me wrap up. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp and a guide to my feet and the light to my path. This is where the keys really are God's word. Max was asking me yesterday, what's the text you'll be teak- teaching on tomorrow? And I said, Max, I don't know yet. <laughs> I said, I don't know, but it, it'll be easy because we have, we have God's word. It'll be even easier because I get to witness and s- learn more about a life, a man who decided to live it to the full. I'm so thankful to be able to have that. Let me finish with 2 Corinthians 4.16, and then we'll get ready for communion. So if the band would like to come back up now, the worship team and the communion team be ready. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. That's the good news, right? For this light, momentarily, light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we Look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they're just temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. He's talking about our souls. He's talking about the part of us that gets to live forever. I shared just recently, I forget which venue it was, one of the other churches that The Infinite Rope, I've shared it here before, A rope that travels infinitely this way. It just keeps going and going. And on this side, it continues to go. And our life is but just a a little pin mark right in the middle. We have that much more life ahead of us. I'll end with this last coach quote. And I think it's not a Coach Joe Floyd quote, but I think it's from someone that he may have respected and I believe it speaks to how he lived and how he'd want us to live and what Christ has called us to. You show yourself for exactly who you are from your heart. Lay it all on the line until the final whistle blows. When we live this life with all of our heart, we cannot be defeated. That was from Coach Jack Langer from Marshall University, West Virginia. Let me pray and then we'll, we'll have communion together. Father, we love you. Father, I thank you that your spirit is here with us this morning. I thank you for an amazing week to be able to honor a man who loved you and loved his family. Not perfectly, Father, but, but he trusted you and your grace was all over the Floyd family. Father, I thank you that each one of us in this room has an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm, I want to give all of my gifts, all of who I am. Father, I want to give it to you for your economy. I want to exchange everything that I hold valuable for what you'd have, what you'd want to do. God, be us with today as we remember Christ through communion. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>